Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Winder, and thanks for tuning in to another podcast of Beyond Everything Radio. And as always, I have a question for you. Is it possible that truly understanding one's worldview can be the single biggest indicator of whether a teen will succeed in life? In today's podcast and post, we continue our series on parenting teens with a look at something about which most parents don't really consider their worldview. Join me now as we show why the wrong worldview creates the wrong self and is behind every struggle that exists in our teenager's life and why it's vital for parents to give young people a world that actually makes sense. Hello, everybody, and thanks so much for coming back to yet another podcast of Beyond Everything Radio. So glad that you are here, folks. My name is Kevin Winder. I'm your host, and we are in the midst of a series. We just started it last week, so this is an important one. This is a series on parenting teens, and I can tell you that this is an area of great confusion, frustration, pain, uh, a lot of assumptions, And today we kind of unpack what I think is one of the single greatest watershed issues to consider. And out of this issue comes your parenting philosophy, comes your teenager's attitude, uh, their behaviors, their approach to everything comes from here. And this is something that you can influence, you can speak to with wisdom But most parents don't. And it's not because they don't want to. They're trying their best. We all are. It's because we can't see it. What are we talking about? Well, today we are talking about the worldview and struggle. It's podcast number uh, 369, and it's part two of our parenting series, Worldview and Struggle. So let's dive right in. Now, I want to use a little metaphor here because I have to kind of peel back your thinking if we're going to get any healing with your teens, okay? So I hope that somebody forwarded this to you or you're tuning in because you have a teenager or you have young children who will soon be teenagers. And so I want to use this metaphor to kind of help you, okay? When we try and develop our skill at a sport, okay, this areas of sports are something we all relate to. But our success in that sport is very much dependent on our ability to train our bodies to hold the correct position while performing. You will never be a good golfer without good body position. You will never swing a bat very well without good body position. You you can't ride a bike effectively and safely without good body position. This goes to diving and gymnastics and football. And there isn't anything. So sport is all about this, right? And so we tend to think as we're learning these sports that we're doing everything correctly. We, we, we think our, we're holding our body right. I, I'm a coach for mountain biking, and I'm always telling people to lower their heels. And they always say, I am lowering my heels, but I can look at the bottom of their shoe when I ride behind them. So I can tell you, quite honestly, what they think is the case and what is actually the case are not at all aligned. And that's the metaphor for parenting. It's really easy 
to overappraise our ability as parents because we're very deeply committed to the philosophical assumptions which influence our parenting. We always think we're doing the best job we can for our kids. Like we're we're really quick to emotionally dismiss alternative philosophical approaches. And when I said in the first episode that most parents will not do or apply anything I say that it will most likely be dismissed. This is what I'm talking about. This is the person who has a horrible golf swing and then somebody says, hey man, you could probably get rid of that slice if you just held your hand this way and moved your foot this way. And they say, you don't know anything about my swing. I'm doing, I'm gonna swing my how I want to. And you're like, yeah, but do you like your slice or do you not want your slice? Like, and they'll just say, well, I can overcome it myself. <clears throat> so there's this prideful kind of resistance because we're really over appraising our, our assumptions that are behind our parenting. So I wanna ask you to please, 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 please do not receive what I'm suggesting today as a, you know, as a promised outcome for your teen, because every situation is different. I can't judge whether you have the emotional maturity or stability or history or wisdom to actually apply any of this stuff. And you might think you're applying it, but actually not, because it's not necessarily easy to grasp, right? I don't want to promise you an outcome, but I can tell you in 35 years of ministry and, um, over 20 years working specifically with adolescents and as a parent of somebody who's parented two very wonderful teens, I can tell you that I I know what I'm talking about on this stuff, okay? So don't receive my suggestions as a promise to change, right? But here's what I want. If, If I illuminate something that you missed, please know that I understand that we don't make our mistakes intentionally. I know that you're doing the best you can with what you have. Each of our children is very different. They each require something different. There's nuance here. There's not a one, you know, stop, one thing of fits all, okay? How you apply the principle that I unpack here is completely up to you. And it should be governed based upon your child, your relationship, your environment, okay? So I'm not going to give you the details of application. I'm a philosopher, right? And so what I want to give you is the underlying philosophy from which you can actually bring healing and transformation, okay? The goal here is to find a tweak or two which can deepen your relationship with your teen, and invite more healing into your family. Sound good? All right. Excuse me. Let's talk about the first thing. We have to know how to evaluate our worldview. Every parenting decision comes from a person who has formed their worldview, and they basically, just all of us, go out and form our worldview based upon our own experience and our understanding. We all have variances in our intelligence. We have differences in our emotional health. We have differences in our spiritual grounding. Uh, Some of us are under religious control. See, it's it's a common knowledge that a a parent who lacks self-awareness and skill usually produces children who lack self-awareness and skill, right? You know this is the case. Uh, You see some 
child who's kind of off the rails and then you meet their parents and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, totally get it now. See, whether we are aware of it or not, parents are constantly giving their children a framework to understand the world. We're giving them a cosmology. In fact, a parent's main job is to prepare their children to successfully live in the world or so they think. I'm going to bring a new layer to that later, okay? But the worldview formation is actually the most important part of parenting, and it's not something that we do in intentionally. It's more of just a default mode. And so my point here is that if we give our children a deficient worldview, they will face way more struggle and suffering as they try and make sense of the world. Now, suppose a parent is fearful of the world and their experience has been that the world is hostile, it's cutthroat, it's cruel, or that the world is declining and hopeless. This is what Cynthia Bergalt would say is redshift cosmology. It's a world that's leaving us. Then the focus on preparing your teen to enter that kind of a world would be based on an entirely different set of priorities than those who are taught the world is beautiful, exciting, full of opportunity, and many joys, which is kind of a blue shift cosmology. I have links to those two talks uh, in, my in my post on Thrive in Exile if you're interested. You see, as parents, we, we have to kind of pause here and ask if we have accurately represented the world and then prepared our teens appropriately, or if we have just really given them the world of our own opinion and experience. And the latter is by far more common. So where and how we live actually will have a huge influence on this, right? And you grow up oppressed and poor and marginalized, your view of the world is way less positive than those who have just open opportunity and you can go and do what you need and want and have what you need. This is because parents are not solely responsible for the whole worldview. The microcosms of our communities, environments, education, our politics, our economies all serve to either reinforce or erode the worldview that parents give their kids. Now, that's an interesting consideration if you think about it, because when a young person goes out and discovers the world is not as mom and dad said, they are immediately forced to, with their experience and understanding, create a different worldview than the ones their parents have. And that is ultimately a source of profound tension in the family. So let's talk about a toxic cosmology, right? We've talked about how to kind of identify our worldview. Now let's talk about what it looks like when it goes toxic. And I mean toxic. But what you're going to be surprised about here is that this toxic cosmology, this toxic way of seeing the world and living in it, is what you might call normal. Okay? So listen to this. I have to say something, though, here which may come across a little bit shocking, but I need to say it so that I can kind of wake you up, okay? Here it is. Any worldview that is derived entirely from the parent's observations of the world will inevitably be toxic. 
<laughs> now, do you know why? Is it that parents intend to give their kids a toxic worldview? No. It's because they're, the parents made up their mind about the world based on their own experiences and perceptions, and they're trying to teach their kids the world based on those experiences and perceptions. They're not realizing how toxic that is. And why is it toxic? It's toxic because it is tribal. It represents only one aspect of reality, not the whole reality. So the best of intentions have only perpetrated worldviews which expand pain and suffering. And when they go out and meet other people with different worldviews, that pain and suffering is then uh, you know, uh, promoted and given out to others in the world, uh, which only make, creates a new dysfunctional worldview to appraise it because people are deriving their worldview from their own appraisals of the world, which seems normal. That process is normal, perhaps, um, but it's horribly toxic. And any worldview that comprises the tribal, the one side, is far too small and toxic to the world and your teen. Thus, when your teen outgrows the tribal boundaries, when they go out and experience a worldview other than yours, he or she may push strongly against it, questioning it, will ultimately be required to deny or rebel against it because the reality of the tribe has given that worldview to them and it doesn't fit, it doesn't make sense. And technology has dramatically enlarged the worldview as a result. People in third world countries who used to live in huts and have no connection to the outside world now have iPhones and cellular service and can see everything that's happening in Hollywood and you know, in progressive wealthy countries. And as a result, uh, that influence of the Western world has matriculated into every culture in the planet. People now want to create a worldview that has to be big enough. And by and large, most of them are not. It's really a huge source of tension here. It's a huge source of confusion. It, it's really important to ask, have I provided the world to my youth that is too small? A toxic worldview creates a toxic sense of self because our identity is derived in part by how we understand the world and our relationship to it. So teenage life is all about who am I? Discover who I am. Try on all these things and personas and, and, and typologies. They're, they're not sure who they really are, but some of them are. And those ones that are are highly successful. The ones who are trying things out and trying to figure it all out are still searching. This all comes from worldview. And so once a parent see that, sees this, there's healing that's possible. I mean, the greatest source of disunity between you and your teen is when a parent forces the teen into a worldview that they are expanding beyond. It's like cramming a plant into a pot, which is far too small. That disunity is a teen which is en route stress, so to speak. A parent's observations of the world are actually just their opinions about it and their experience of it. And while it's true for the parents, the teens often realize that it isn't all that is true. And this creates a double life as they try and navigate, how do I live in my parents' worldview? And then the larger worldview, like at school, you see this a lot with uh, 
children who come from other countries who have very different cultures and they're first generation U.S. citizens who are growing up with a very different culture than their parents. Uh, that tension is not a small thing. They have to live this double life and many kids try and do it just to keep peace in the house. But that can also be the largest source of stress in a family, okay? So this is the toxic cosmology. So how do we have a true cosmology? Well, let's talk about this. Now, I know this is where many of you are just going to kind of unsubscribe and pull out. I get it. But if you have a minute or two, let me kind of pull you into something and invite you to consider a bigger, wider perspective, okay? I just want to let you know that my underlying premise here is that nothing shapes our worldview or our grasp of truth more than our spirituality. I'm not referring to a person's religion, and I am not here to teach a religion or promote a religion. If you've listened to my podcast, I'm all about liberation from religion and back unto God without all the frameworks and pomp and circumstance and clergy and control and fear and mongering and all of that. A true spiritual connection to God is always the most healthy a person can ever be. So I want you to hear that so you don't think that when I use certain words, I'm trying to get you to sign up for a religion. I'm not. I'm trying to help you realize the power of your spiritual awareness. And what I've seen in, in teens over the years, are, are they fall in a couple categories, which I'll get to in a minute. Not everybody subscribes to a religion. I get that. But everybody possesses spirituality. You don't have a spiritual side. You, you are a spiritual being, right? You are spiritual. That's the reality. <clears throat> Teenage problems occur when their spirituality is either stifled by fundamental religion or when spirituality is neglected or diminished by parents seeking to avoid religion. I see, it's, see, that's the two-sided coin that really screws a, a teenager's worldview up. The path of healing that I'm going to offer here, if you're willing to hear it, is the restoration of healthy spirituality. If you do not have a spiritual worldview, which I derive from scripture, not religion, then you are not ready for what I'm about to offer, okay? I'll just say that. So parents, if you're staying with me, I just want you to think about your teen's most prominent problems. Are they lazy and unmotivated? Are they addicted to drugs, alcohol, sex, or the party life of escapism? Are they withdrawn and disconnected? Are your teens angry or even violent? Do they only want to follow their consumption of their appetites for sleep or junk food or leisure or pleasure? Am I describing your teens? Do they lack appreciation for how good they actually have it? Listen, nothing has a greater impact over all of these areas than a person's grasp of the world and themselves in it. And that is spiritually derived. Parents often assemble a version of the world out of a small, disintegrated pieces of it. Right? It's like you, you look at the world and you say, well, that's about work and that's about sports and this is about school and this is about relationships. And so because you've divided the world up into pieces, you give the kids a divided, fragmented world. Now, out of this fragmented world comes a fragmented self. So healing requires the integration, the bringing together of the pieces into a one whole perspective. That's spiritually done. 
And each child's fragmented worldview then becomes more cohesive and then the world makes sense. That's what being a teen is all about though, right? It's about going and figuring out how to make sense of the world. And parents often just give them a small sliver of reality and not reality as it is. And this requires parents to have an integrated worldview and to have undergone their own healing. And sadly, most of us don't have one and have not undergone our own healing. This is why many parents ignore this advice. This is where you get to the point where I say, this is going to be spiritually derived. And you think, well, now he's going to force me into a religion. I'm going to have to listen to crappy music on K-Love and put a chrome fish on the back of my car. Or I'm going to have to give up my weekends and go door to door with a Bible tucked under my arm or whatever it is. No, none of that. This is why parents kind of tune out here is because they don't want to see spiritually. And we can either transform or transmit our pain. And the reality is, is that transmitting our pain into the worldview that we give our kids requires nothing of us, but spiritual healing does. So if your teen is struggling, if they are having a hard go, evaluate the world you gave them because they are forming a disintegrated self. So how does a parent integrate their teen's worldview? You see, the worldview given to us by the world is horribly deficient. Scripture calls it darkness. However, the world's worldview, the thing the world gives us about itself through all of the commercials and TV and media and surface level pomp and distraction and, 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 and <laughs> anesthesia, uh, the numbingness, right? The popularity, the gravitational pull of all of that noise, 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 right? That is the default mode into which most parents are trying sincerely to prepare their kids for entry. You're, you're warning them about the severity of the world. It's going to chew us up and spit us out. It, it can be a source of fear for parents and teens. As a result, parents usually focus on equipping teens to become economically self-supporting. And this starts with pressure for good grades or higher education and trying to avoid the pitfalls like getting pregnant or addicted or hanging out with losers. Sound familiar? None of this seems very spiritual, but it's actually is extremely spiritual if you uncover the worldview behind these assumptions. Now, I want to help you see that. I know that you're trying to do this with the best of intentions, but this is the problem. Can you see the fragmentation? You've divided the world into categories which you can control. Well, you think you can control. And then you try and give your kids skill to control that thing and that thing. But you don't realize that when you select your categories, you deselect other categories. You make one thing important and another thing unimportant. You are absolutely hoisting from the outside in a value system into your li the life of your teen. That's valuable. That's not. That's dangerous. That's not, right? That's a religion being hoisted into your kid's life. And as they adopt it, if it's a healthy worldview, they'll have success. If it's a toxic worldview, they will have continued pain. 
And parents who have moved out of religious fundamentalism are usually blind to the fact that they embrace religious fundamentalism of a toxic, darkened world. You see that? A lot of people think they, they know how harsh religion can be to kids and it controlling and, and they, they want to avoid that for their kids, but then they go out and they create this kind of toxic, outside-in, fear-based religion to see the world. So therefore, everybody is a religious fanatic. Unless, right, do you see how I'm stitching this together for you? I'm trying to give you footholds to to find the underlying philosophy that is derailing your relationship with your teens. Integration through spiritual healing is coming to know the truth from the inside out, not imposing a reality that you think is all that is real from the outside in. Instead of pressuring teens about many things in the world like homework, housework, politics, jobs, a parent's primary job is to train their teens about one thing, not many things, one thing. And that one thing is to be able to have the skill, the, the love, the passion to find true north within themselves. This is to find God, their maker, to know that voice. These are diametrically opposed worldviews. One is from the world and it's outside in. It's behavior modification with bribes, manipulations. Do you have to do any of these things? Well, I will let you uh, play video games if you behave. I'll let you have dessert if you eat your dinner. I will let you go out with your friends if you clean up the house. Right? These are bribes and manipulations. These are threats. If you do that, I am going to take away your freedoms. I'm going to punish. Right? Now you are in the world of religion. Do you see it? You've created a value system, and they are simply acting out that value system. The only other alternative is inside-out spiritual transformation, which elicits freedom and love through relationship. It's not transactional. It's transformational. It's not religion. It's relationship. Like, if you miss this watershed of the worldview, you will struggle. And I know you don't mean to, but I'm trying to illuminate this powerful truth. So we're going to keep going here. And I got a lot more to say. And so I hope you hang in here with me. My wife and I, we always taught our kids, how you do anything is how you do everything. You see, the darkened worldview I'm talking about is a world that's disconnected bunch of individual pieces. We gain our control in the world by taking control over the little pieces. We judge each piece as good or bad or valid or invalid. And trying to develop an autonomous agency is something that our world talks so proudly about. You got to be your own power. You got to be your own source. You got to be great. You can rise. It's all about autonomous agency. But folks, that is the path of darkness taught by the prince of darkness. Autonomous agency is a worldview of the prince of darkness. I don't know how else to say it in a way that frames it better. You might think really great about it, but so did Satan. Behind this false assumption 
that some things are not important if they don't empower or give us some autonomous agency. It puts our teens on the throne of their life. See, that's the thing. You're trying to train them with a worldview to be the throne of their life. But when they take that throne back, you call it rebellion and you don't like it. That's, it should be rebellion because that's who you're following is the most rebellion, rebellious entity of life. If a parent, if as a parent, we reinforce over and over that some things are important on which we must do a good job, like homework or sports, but other things don't matter, then how can we blame our teens later for devaluing things we think are important? Is it not we parents who taught our teens this value system? This is the darkness of the world that has created a judgment system under which you live and now are trying to promote to your kid and then punishing them when they live it out. See how inconsistent that is? This is why we require a value system which is bigger than us. It has to come outside of us. Your appraisals of the world, your experiences are not invalid, but they are not sufficient. Don't give them your opinion. It has to come from external and objective truth, not internal and subjective truth. And where do I get that? Scripture. This is where you might think I'm trying to teach you religion. I'm not. I'm trying to give you the worldview from the world's designer. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. In 11.6, it says, in the morning, sow your seed. At evening, with not hold your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Right? The scripture, these are just two examples of how Scripture informs a worldview. Nothing is not important. Everything is important. Nothing is distinct from another thing. Everything is one thing. See, my wife and I trained our kids with this biblical worldview that everything is integrated. It's an interdependent whole of which they are a small but very important part. Everything they do creates a ripple effect in the pond. The world they don't like is because people are acting in a way that creates a ripple you don't like. So it takes self-awareness and integration by, by the byproducts of this spiritual understanding. And seeing oneself in the larger context of everything else. This is like you have to see yourself in context to the world. This is why the identity is derived from your worldview. This is applied every day in being able to see the one thing that we must all do well. Not the many things that we have to do, some of which are worthwhile and some are not. A life of stress is the many things. And we keep training our kids about that because we live in this living hell of many things. A many things worldview is stressful and complicated. A one thing worldview is pure and easy to give oneself to. If our teen only wants to do some things like video games or hang out with friends, it's because we have given them this value system. Do you see that? Until the parents are liberated from their darkened worldview, none of us can lead our teens to a better one. It's futile. So leading our youth from the inside out is only possible if we as parents are led from the inside out. So parenting turns out not to be about preparing them for the world, but about helping them to know who they are in God. 
and their role in God's world. Do you see that difference? One is you're an autonomous agent going out into a cruel, hostile world that will eat you up. And this is how you manipulate the people and things in it to take advantage and be successful. This is how you become the hunter and not the hunted. That's, that's the darkened worldview. The other is this is a beautiful, created world that has its problems. And as you know yourself in this world, you can give yourself to the redemption of it in every little thing you do. So every little thing you do absolutely matters. And what you do in biology class or chemistry class or geography class is not distinct from what you hope to do one day in your life. They're all the same thing. Do you see this? Many parents never enjoy their teens because they struggle in futility to make sense of all these misleading parts and try to get them to do many things just as they do. They live the life of stress, doing many things, juggling a lot of balls, wearing a lot of hats, and, well, now we're just going to consign our kids to this living hell. I know you're sincere, but parents, we are mistakenly deriving a worldview from our observations and experience instead of the worldview from its designer. They're profoundly different. And this is proved out by the fact that parents only struggle with teenagers who have mistakenly adopted the world's pseudonym, the false ID, and have not learned their true name. Like a child who doesn't really know who they are is going to be full of strife and problems and issues. It's going to be a ton of pain. The teen who discovers who they are in their maker and learns to love what God has said will quickly discover that the world meets and exceeds all their expectations. And they will be equipped to go out and subdue the world as intended, not just consume it. See, the rebellious teen that seeks to consume the world has adopted the world's dark worldview and will suffer because of it. Because the world simply doesn't work that way. The dark worldview is a deception. It's a lie. It doesn't work that way. It's not all what you think it is. The world's self, which is created out of this worldview, is a self which feeds on pain and frustration and confusion. And it satisfies itself only with distraction and anesthesia and avoidance. So you think psychology is going to fix this? Do you think education is going to fix this? Do you think family therapy is the answer? All of these things can contribute to the solution. But if you do not get to the source, the spiritual source of your worldview and address it, all of this will have a futile consequence. I'm not saying that to be alarmist or negative. Please hear me. And I'm not here to beat you up, parents. I know how much you love your kids and are struggling under all this drama. I want to give you a path out. There is healing and the potential for a course correction. However, this will only take place once the true design of the world is understood and applied. Every bit of struggle, every bit of pain, can always be brought back to the watershed reality of your worldview, your source of truth. And if what you believe to be true is not actually all that is true, 
you can fully expect pain and suffering. That's the very definition of a living hell, is to be lived, to live in a partial truth or to live a lie. So please consider what I'm offering. It's a philosophical approach to really dissect your own spiritual framework for your worldview. I highly recommend you turn to the scripture to get this biblical worldview because I believe that's the design of the world. It has never failed me. It hasn't failed anybody else who's actually apprehended it and applied it. But for you who can't see it or don't see it or can't muster up the consideration of it, I know this to be the facts. Every bit of struggle and pain can always be brought back to this watershed reality. So please, consider what I'm offering, even if it seems a little odd to you at first. And if you need help, please feel free to reach out. I'll be more than happy to discuss this with you. God bless you.